Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I guess they're going with Andy Dalton, their quarterback. But is that a little bit? I know, and he's a veteran and has experience. But is that a little bit of an advantage for you to not have to prepare for someone who you really don't know all that much about? If it was Justin Fields, I think it'd be naive for us not to prepare for you know them to be able to utilize him in some form or fashion. But uh, Andy's a winning quarterback in this league. Does a great job. You know, I, I really have seen a lot of film of Andy, even going back to when Jay Gruden was his coordinator at Cincinnati. So very familiar with what a really good quarterback he is. He, he does a great job, accurate anticipation, recognizes the, the looks defensively, can straighten up protections. So Andy Dalton's a, a really good quarterback, and uh, it'll be a great challenge. And then you see the, the ways that Justin you know, made a lot of plays going back to his career at Ohio State, what he showed in the preseason. And so uh, I think you got to be ready for, for either or, but uh, it's going to be a challenge for sure. Sean McVay, coach of the Rams, getting ready for Sunday night football. Andy Dalton, the starter. We all expect to see a Justin Fields package. Question is, how long will Andy Dalton be the starter? Well, at least for one week. So it'll be Dalton, maybe some Fields. They're getting ready for it. They would be stupid not to, and that's one of the benefits of having two completely different quarterbacks with two different styles. It puts a little pressure on the opposing defense to get ready. So the Bears... Whenever we see fields, whatever they do, let's start with them as we look at the NFC North win totals as provided by the points bet sports book over under for Chicago, which went eight and eight last year and got into the playoffs courtesy of the seventh spot that debuted in 2020. Seven and a half wins, Chris. You going over or are you going under? I'm going under here. I am. I, I just I can't get behind the Chicago Bears quite yet. I can't. There's just too many questions to me. So, I mean, not that I think it's going to be, like, egregiously under. Like, I think 7 and 10, you know. I mean, yeah, I certainly 8 and 9 is something I thought of. But if you're going to make me choose one or the other, I am going to choose the under. You know, I think the first thing is NFC North plays the AFC North and the NFC West, right? That's what jumps out to me more than anything, okay? And, of course, they got to play the, the Packers twice in their division. And I don't necessarily think they're, like, I mean, the Vikings game is going to be tough, too. 
So I, I don't know. Again, last year they were one of the underwhelming teams we ever saw get into the playoffs. And, you know, other than Tampa Bay last year, they didn't really beat any really good teams. I mean, so I don't like sit here and go, oh, man, like watch out. I mean, they were underwhelming last year, and they got questions about them this year. They've had some coaching changes. They got the quarterback issues. I'm going under. For a team that's been to the playoffs two of the last three years, I know. it's amazing how we just look at the Bears and shrug and kind of make a face and I say, know. yeah, they're not going to be very good. They still could be. They they do it in kind of a sneaky way, and so much of it depends upon whether or not Dalton works out at quarterback. And Matt Nagy told Albert Breer over the weekend that with Dalton, they want to see how the team produces with him on the field. They evaluated him individually in the preseason when he played. They're happy with what he did. They're happy with how he runs the offense. But it all comes down to what the team does, what he's able to get the team to do. And whether it's Fields, whether it's Dalton, I think for the Bears, this is all about trying to take a step back now, laying the foundation to get Fields ready for 2022 and beyond. And it may be that they sail over seven and a half wins once Fields gets up to speed. And for them, ideally, they've found their Patrick Mahomes. That's the only way they're ever going to live down not taking Patrick Mahomes in 2017 is to get one of their own, and they're trying to set this up for Fields to be that guy. Packers. So I'm with you. I'm under. Okay. This year. Just want to Packers, make sure. Packers, yeah. two straight years of 13-3, and three, now 17 games. The over-under is only 10.5. Only. Are they trying to fool us here? How can it be that low, Chris, I, for I the Green know. Bay Packers? I don't know. I mean, I'm going over here. I am. You know, again, I don't know if I'm expecting 14-3 and three or 13-4, and four, but 10.5 is just too low. I mean, first off, I think the division is not all that special, you know, so I think they'll be able to control and dominate their own division. I understand that, again, that they got to play the AFC North and the NFC West, but I'm still looking at more than 10 and a half games there, certainly. I mean, with the way Rodgers and that offense is built, I know we don't have Bakhtiari back from injury yet, but still, good offensive line. You know, I, I, I just, I can't imagine them being any worse, really, than 11 and 6. I don't. This is still a very good quality football team. You know, new defensive staff, new defensive coordinator in Joe Barry, you know, got some a young corner in the first round. Hopefully he can help out. But uh, I still think they're one of the better teams in the NFC, and I'm going to pick over here uh, for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I will as well, even though it is concerning when you consider that NFC West, AFC West gauntlet that all teams in that division are going to run. And there's Matt LaFleur. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Very underrated at the 13 and 3 each of the first two years of his coaching career with all the issues and distractions and dysfunction that they do a good job for the most part of keeping under wraps, except for this most recent offseason. For LaFleur to, to have that steady hand and get the team to where it's at, I, I don't think we can take that for granted. Right. And I think he'll find a way to do it this year. Vikings at nine is the win total. I prefer when it's half. Because I could see 9-8 and eight out of Minnesota this year. What, what do you think? Are you over or are you under the Vikings winning nine games? I, this one almost falls into the category of, like, I think they were smoking crack again. Uh, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it. I just – I, I got to – again, I know – Let us know. Folks in, in London who are watching, please let us know. Email me, florio at profootballtalk.com. Did they bleep smoking crack okay. either when he said it or when I just said it? Okay, it'll be good to know. But yes, uh, I, yeah, I, I just have too many question marks about the Vikings football team. Yes, it's a new offensive coordinator in Clint Kubiak. I know it's the same system, but it's still a new guy running the offense. Uh, uh, you know, 
offensively, it just to me, it's just man, it's just all so centric about the run game and the bootlegs. And I, I don't know. I guess I'm a little scared of the offense being able to produce the same magic it did last year. The defense, yeah, a little bit better, but I don't look at it to go, oh, wow, it's going to be a whole lot better, Mike. So, yeah, I'm going under here. I, I, I do not look at this as a very talented division right now in the NFC North. I'm, I'm taking push on this one. Okay. I'm not going to go over or under. If it's not going to be half, we got to reserve the right to push. Nine and eight is what I think they're going to do. And somebody asked me yesterday, if the Vikings don't make it to the playoffs, what happens with Mike Zimmer and what happens with Rick Spielman? I think Zimmer's in real trouble if they don't make it to the playoffs this year because the expectations are high, and he's making them high. He has said multiple times, I think we got a pretty good team. We just have to go out and prove it. Well, you know what that statement does? It saves Spielman, who put the pretty good team together, and it puts Zimmer in the crosshairs if they don't get to where they need to be. Now, the problem is they got an unvaccinated quarterback who will not reconsider his position, and if Kirk Cousins misses a game or two, there goes the playoffs, potentially. Because they're always good enough. To be in that mid-December, yeah. the planets are aligning. Are they going to catch a few breaks? Are they going to win a few games late and find a way into the postseason? They're always in that discussion. I don't think they're going to be dominant because, I, have, I, with you, I have concerns about the offense. The defense, I think, is a lot better. But the offense, I just it feels sluggish and regressed. and I, it, It's going to come down to December. Maybe they can find a way to the postseason. If they don't, though, there could be some changes in minnesota come 2022 yeah no i, I mean it's a, it's a big year de- definitely and zimmer i mean i understand why he's making those comments i mean he does he wants to give his own team belief that like we got talent and the coaching staff and everybody like that to go yeah there's something here we just got to go out and do it now but yeah it was a little underwhelming in the preseason definitely i mean concerning you know, I know they're going to be better defensive tackles. They got more size with Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce being there. And, yeah, they're going to be different there. And, of course, Barr and Kendricks are awesome. Secondary, I th- still think, has questions, though. You got a lot of young, unproven guys there other than Harrison Smith. So, yeah, I just there's questions, too many questions with that football team. And not that I think they're going to be horrible or anything like that. Like you said, I think they're in the mix, but I just see more of, like, the seven and nine – you know, eight and nine, seven and ten, eight and nine type of record more than than anything above that. Defense, I really do think, is going to be a lot better. It was horrible last year, so the bar is low. They will have fans at their home games this That's year, true. which will be a huge difference. The offense, though, is the concern. We haven't seen Dalvin Cook in the preseason. He's going to be a big key to this. And and they haven't really unleashed the offense. It's no, easy to haven't. become concerned with an offense that didn't look good in the preseason when you're not using your best players and you really haven't turned it loose. Why turn it loose? Let, let's turn it loose Sunday in Cincinnati. And, hey, if they can go and and put a hard check mark in the box week one, this is a game they should win by double digits if they're going to be good. If they're going to be good, they should win it by double digits. It's a great litmus test right out of the gates for whether or not the Vikings are going to have anything this year because they should make quick work of the Bengals if this team is going to be as good as... Mike Zimmer thinks. The Lions, bottom of the division for good reason. Four and a half wins over under. Which way are you going with them? I'm going under here as well. I, I mean, I, you know, I think four wins is a, is a good year for the Lions. You know, when you take into account that they're totally rebuilding their football team, it's a whole new staff. You know, they're not expected, or nor are they, you know, the, one of the more talented teams in their own division. They're the least talented team. 
You know, they're kind of trying to find an identity. And then we talked about their schedule too. I mean, you know, of course, yeah, it's tough. I mean, yes, they don't. You look at their schedule. There's nothing there you look at to just go, well, they should beat that team. Okay, they're better than the Bengals or they're as good in week six. All the games before that, there's nobody there you're like, oh, they're definitely better than. Okay, maybe they can pull something off against the Bears or the Vikings. But I think both those teams are still better. But, yeah, it's not going to be easy for them with those first three games, 49ers, Packers, Ravens, not going to build much confidence in those ones. I have a hard time thinking they won't start out 0-3. Yeah, I think 4-13 is a good year for the the Lions, the way I look at it right now. I know every fan of every team wants to go into every season thinking there's hope of everything working out and getting to the playoffs. And I, I, I understand that. And part of what we do is we point to the reasons why there should be hope. But at some point, we got to be realistic. This is a long rebuild. And, and anytime you make dramatic culture changes, you can't revamp the roster like that to get it to the point where your new culture needs it to be. That's why the last regime with Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia struggled. They they didn't have enough cycles to get a bunch of guys with the Patriots mindset in Detroit. Now they pivot to this old school rough and tumble Chris Spielman style, and Spielman's got a lot more influence over this team than folks realize. It's going to take some time to get the kneecap biters that Dan Campbell's looking for. So I would expect nothing this year if I'm a Lions fan and be happy with anything I get. Yeah, I I think that's the the positive way. You just want to see, hey, some of the young talent. Does DeAndre Swift continue to take the next step? You know, does Hawkinson, the tight end, who looks like he's a budding star, how does he look? Amon Ross St. Brown, hey, let's evaluate Jared Goff. Are we going to be, is he good enough to be our quarterback of the future? Or is this one of those things where it's underwhelming and we're in the quarterback draft conversation next year? I think that's where it all goes, uh, 100%. Yeah, they they did a they did a really good job in the draft and free agency, at least getting some of the guys I think that fit the mold of their football team. Now, yeah, it's teaching young guys how to win and that culture and everything you've you've talked about and discussed there, and that's not an easy process, especially going from what they are to what they were. It's dramatic. I mean, yes, it was New England, you know, pencil pusher, nerdy type guy, and now it's barroom kneecap brawler, right? Uh, with a totally different attitude to the football team. So I don't expect like a magical turnaround overnight. But but if it works and if they can find the players they need to do what it is that Campbell wants to do, they could finally turn it around. Eventually, yeah, yeah. Lions fans, it will happen. At some point, I know it's been a long 60 years, eventually it will happen. Let's take a break. When we return, we're going to flip it over to the AFC North. Some news from Pittsburgh about T.J. Watts. Some news from the Ravens about running backs. We'll get you up to speed on all of that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. 
But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are fantasy football apps, and then there's the only app worthy of your league. Get your crew on the Yahoo Fantasy app. If you're not playing on Yahoo, you are missing out. T.J. Watt missing out on practice, preseason. Clock is ticking. And T.J. Watt not practicing yesterday. He could miss the season opener with the Bills due to this lingering contract problem. Look, I don't get it because the Steelers don't do new contracts after week one. So you gain nothing by not playing if you're T.J. Watt. They don't do new contracts unless they're going to break their long-standing rule, Chris. So this either gets done this week or he's getting $10.1 million in the fifth year of his rookie contract. But okay. this is right up against the wire, and it's it's clearly affecting his preparation for the first game of the season. A tough first game of the season, not some quick and easy, you know, startles will be on the sideline by the third quarter because we're going to roll up the score. This is a tough, tough game, one of the toughest of the year for the Steelers Yeah, I at mean, Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, 100%. You know, first off, yeah, it doesn't look good. Second off, I, I don't care if he's practiced. I mean, he hasn't practiced yet. This is the game. This is... Hey, this is a huge game right off the bat. I mean, this this could have playoff implications later on in the year. You know, it could come down to who gets the home playoff. I mean, uh, it, you know, who gets into the playoffs, who doesn't. You know, these are two really quality football teams. And, of course, it's Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen has officially fallen into that category of like, well, you need some special people to get after him or he can almost beat you by himself creating own plays out of the pocket and, and, and all of that stuff he does off schedule. So, uh, yes, it's huge. And, of course, T.J. Watt, one of the best defenders in all of football. I'm shocked it's gone this way. I'm sick of hearing about, like, the rules, though. Like, that's like, stop with the rules, Pittsburgh, okay? You know, we, we don't do this. Like, well, you better. He's your best player. Like, you better change your rule to get your best player on the football field in the AFC North this year. So that's where it's a little surprising. And, uh, I mean, what? okay, so if they don't do contracts after week one, uh, I mean, so then what's T.J. Watt going to do? He's going to sit out longer? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know where this goes right now, but I'm just shocked we're not farther down the road. And the other rule that complicates the situation, the Steelers, one of just a handful of teams that won't put fully guaranteed payments beyond the first year of a contract. They'll give you a huge signing bonus, guarantee your salary year one, injury guarantees after that, but not injury, skill, and cap guarantees beyond that. Full guarantees, they won't do it. you got to put a lot of money in escrow. I assume that's why the Steelers don't do it. It's one of their rules. Well, it's a problem here because TJ Watt wants and he's earned to have that guarantee that stretches beyond year one. So a couple of the Steelers' rules that 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 cut against what other teams do, complicating this situation, Chris. Uh, 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 yes, I mean yes, they they sometimes seem to handcuff themselves a little bit in these in these situations. But you know the other thing, Mike, that just you know again comes to the forefront of my mind is what we talked about a few weeks ago, 
It's like, what's the number we're looking at for TJ Watt? You know, we hit on it like the Joey Bosa contract is 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 ludicrous compared to everybody else. I mean, it's $2 million more than Miles Garrett. And Joey Bosa doesn't have as many sacks as TJ Watt does during his career. I mean, and TJ Watt played one less season in the NFL. So, like, TJ Watt's looking at it going, well, I should get north of him. I've outplayed the guy who's making $27 million a year. That's, to me, again, they got to be part of this issue to where he's probably looking at that going, wait, I'm the best player in your defense. I'm one of the best pass rushers in football. I do everything right on and off the field. I'm the model citizen. I'm everything you want for your organization. Joey Bosa's getting $27 million. Why wouldn't I get a little bit more than that? Uh, that, that to me, has to be an issue with, with this negotiation. And there's a way to get him to 27 million and 10,000 or 27.1 million. There's a way to do it. Yeah. You can load up the salaries on the back end, non-guaranteed. You you can you can much more easily overcome Joey Bosa than you can overcome the full guarantee that Bosa got at signing. That that's the challenge here. It's not Oh, hey, highest paid defensive player in league history. Well, how many of the years of this contract is he actually going to do? It's about how much is it worth at the time you sign it. I have a feeling that is a major impediment. And nobody's talking. Whatever agreement Watts Camp and the Steelers have reached, I hear nothing. It's working. Yeah. Nobody's saying anything. And and look, we, we've talked about hold-ins throughout all of training camp in the preseason. At some point, the rubber meets the road. At some point, it's time to play. You didn't hold out. You're here. You need to play. You need to work. It's conduct detrimental to the team if you refuse to do what you're told to do. That's the one thing that that I've been confused by. It looks like the ice is finally broken in Seattle between Dwayne Brown and the team, and he's going to practice and play even though he doesn't have a new contract. At some point, you got you got to work. And I, I have a feeling that... It's going to come to a head here in the next couple of days. It has to. It's a deadline-driven business. Now is the time for everyone to come to their bottom line and get this thing done. And I have a feeling, because they've worked cooperatively throughout this, they've let him stay away, nobody's saying anything, I have a feeling they're going to get it done. I, I would think so. I, I mean, I, that's where at least where I'd like to think. I mean, they're just too valuable of a football player. It's too big of a year for their football team. They've taken the... You know, the risk of going one more year with Big Ben. They need the defense to be dominant. They do. But, yeah, they got they got lots of dollar signs on the horizon because, yeah, T.J. Watt, you're going to have to pay him like one of the best defensive players in football. And then guess what? Minka Fitzpatrick's coming. You're going to have to pay him like one of the best safeties in football. So they got some things they got to juggle around and figure it out. But most importantly, they need T.J. Watt out there week one for sure. And they've got cap issues, it seems like, every right? single year, every which year. is part of this problem. When I saw that the Ravens had worked out Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman on Monday, my first thought was, okay, this idea that they're going to go with Gus Edwards and Tyson Williams as the replacement for J.K. Dobbins, they, they've decided that maybe it's not going to work. Then comes the news that Justice Hill, one of the other running backs in Baltimore, is out for the year with a torn Achilles. So uh, they need somebody now. And they had... They had Todd Gurley in for a visit in June. There's been no discussion of Gurley in the week and a half since Dobbins went down. Now you've got Le'Veon Bell, who was linked through, I think, some some puffery from Bell's camp a couple of years ago to him when he signed with the Jets. I don't think the Ravens were ever interested, not for the money that, that Bell ultimately got. And then you've got Freeman, who was cut recently by the Saints, I believe. Yeah, they, It looks like they got to do something. 
to beef up that running back position with Hill out for the year? Have to. I mean, you know, danger, danger, danger. I mean, this is a running football team. Running backs are kind of important. So, I mean, right now you're one injury away from being a disaster and going, oh, no, the Ravens are not going to be the same. The Ravens lose Gus Edwards. I'm just I, – I, I know Lamar's awesome and their offensive line's really good, but I just go, well, it changes my thought of their whole football team because there's a dramatic drop-off. I mean, we'll see what Tyson Williams can bring to the table, but I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to be – I, I got to see it first before I can just buy into it and go, oh, okay, they got their guy. They got their workhorse there. Edwards is pretty damn special. They can ride him and he can produce for them, but they need another guy just to spell him. And of course, it's a huge part of their offense. So I, I, I'm, I'll be interested to see which one they choose. I'm going to guess it's more Levy on Bell. Uh, I would think Devontae Freeman been on a few teams, you know, smaller type running back. He's taken a beating through his career. Le'Veon Bell has still saved himself. I would think there's a little juice in the tank there to where maybe he could help this Ravens team out. I'll be, be interested to see where this goes. I want to know what the conversation is between John Harbaugh and Andy Reid, Harbaugh's former boss, years ago in Philadelphia because Bell had some comments yeah. to make about Reid. Mm -hmm. And it always hurts your future employment efforts. When you're talking about an industry with 32 shops – when you are taking shots on the way out the door at coaches, that's not going to bode well for your no. future prospects. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, we're going to do a draft today of our picks for Offensive Player of the Year as we sit two days away from the start of the 2021 regular season. We'll do that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. All right, there are the odds from PointsBet Sportsbook for the Offensive Player of the Year. George Kittle? Yeah. George Kittle? Man, I, I, I'd just as soon light my money on fire. A tight end to be Offensive Player of the Year with all the offensive talent we have in the NFL right now. Nothing against George Kittle, but that that one just seems a little well, odd to me, Chris. Who, all right, Who won ahead. it two years ago? Who won it two years ago? Michael Thomas. Well, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas won it two years well, ago. Kittle had a year that year when they went to the Super Bowl, right? Where they, He yeah. could have been in the offensive player conversation. But he wasn't even in the conversation. Yeah. But he wasn't. That's the thing. Tight end, not easy to do. Here's a trivia question for you to determine the first pick. Name the four players. Four? I don't... Okay, let me. I, I may give you a break here. I may not expect you to name all four. Name the four players to win a Heisman, Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, and MVP. I'll go. I'll let. I'll let you get this one with two. Okay. You don't need to name all four. Okay. I'm gonna go. Cam Newton's one of them, right? Yes. Um, Heisman. I'm. I'm missing somebody re recently. Heisman, offensive rookie of the year. What were the other two things? I assume that the, I said. I think it's Heisman, rookie of the year, offensive player of the year, and MVP. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I'm. I'm who else am I missing here? I'm missing somebody obvious here. Um. Uh, all right. I don't know. I'm choking to death. Who is it? Go ahead. Earl Campbell. Ah. How? How dare you? I know. You. You played. At Texas, <laughs> yes, and you didn't know that Earl Campbell was one. Shame on you, damn, sir. Marcus Allen one. and Barry Sanders. Ah, the other ones as well. damn, the three running back. I know. I was thinking too much quarterbacks. That's where I was wrong yeah. there. Damn. And I thought right, there was somebody first, more recent. Go ahead, you're first. First pick for me. First pick for me. Now look, I understand that a lot of this has to do with whether or not he can stay healthy. If he can, put me down for Christian McCaffrey as the offensive player of the year. I think he was the favorite, if I recall correctly. But uh, 
Christian McCaffrey, I think, will have a big year. He's a year removed from getting that huge contract. And he didn't live up to it last year. And it was injury-related. Had to drive him crazy. So if he can stay healthy, I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a great, great season. I would, I'm would. i there with you. That would have been my first pick. I mean, I'm, I'm almost expecting a monster season as long as he stays healthy. I mean, system, quarterback, other weapons to worry about that will lead to favorable matchups for him. The system's perfect for his skill set. I would think he kills it too. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to disagree. I'm going to go with another running back here. I'm going to go Nick Chubb. You know, I, I just, again, I think the Browns are going to be a good football team. And if they are really good and one of the two or three top seeds of the AFC, the biggest reason will be because of Nick Chubb and the run game. And I expect him to put up monster stats because of that. You know, I know he's got Kareem Hunt there, but Nick Chubb's the guy. I think he could be a guy that goes for 1,500 yards this year and a whole bunch of touchdowns. So I'll go Nick Chubb. Is 1,500 yards going to get you offensive I don't know. It got to be a whole bunch of touchdowns too. It's got to be like yeah. somewhere in that a whole lot of yeah, a whole 16, bunch of touchdowns. 15, 18 touchdowns, yes. Whole bunch of mums. Uh I'm gonna go Matthew Stafford. I'm surprised you didn't take him. Peter King thinks he can throw for six thousand yards, even though if you take the record set by Peyton Manning in twenty thirteen, I believe it was, and project it to seventeen games, still not close to six thousand yards. It's three hundred and fifty two yards per game on average. For a 17-game season, Peter's argument, the running back situation is jumbled now. You're going to have to throw, throw, throw. they got great receivers. Stafford's had one 5,000-yard season and two that were very close to 5,000. Yeah. I don't know that he gets to six. If he does, just name the award after him. But I think he'll have enough yardage that that it will put him in the conversation for offensive player of the year. I would think he's going to put up big numbers. I mean, 100%. I, I, don't, I still think even despite – the injuries and everything like that at the running back position. McVay's not going to abandon the run. So I just I have a hard time thinking the Rams will get into that wait, we're the Detroit Lions and we stink at everything and you got to throw it 45 times a game to win the football game. I don't think they're going to hit that. So that's where I would like challenge a 6000 yards type of conversation, but either way I'm with you in the uh offensive uh offensive player of the year, even MVP MVP conversation. All right. Um I'm going to go to a wide receiver here. I'll go Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs, I think, you know, I mean, again, Bills have another year like they did last year. Stefan Diggs has the type of year he did last year. Maybe you sprinkle on a few more touchdown catches on top of that. You know, I don't, I, I would be shocked if the Bills aren't one of the best teams in the AFC. We know it's going to be behind the right arm of Josh Allen. You know, if Josh Allen had a year that was real good but not one of the top two or three or four best statistical years out of the quarterbacks. He's not going to win MVP or Offensive Player of the Year, but maybe Diggs does. I'll go with him. I'm going to have some fun with my last one, and and it's not completely tongue-in-cheek. There are only four human beings who have ever thrown for more yards in a single NFL season than Jameis Winston. He's now... The man with the keys to the car that Sean Payton has so carefully constructed in New Orleans. I think Winston, who had 5,100-plus yards just a couple of years ago, could have a monster season, take us all by surprise, and be the offensive player of the year. Yeah. I, 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 the Saints are one of those teams where, I, you know, Chris Sims unbutton. We're doing the playoff prediction, Super Bowl prediction later. The Saints are one of those teams where you go, I mean, watch out. And if they get in the playoffs, watch out. 
You know, I'm, I'm certainly not thinking they're going to fall off earth here. So, yeah, I hear you. Good pick there. All right, I'll lastly go with Derrick Henry. I mean, it's just low-hanging fruit. I got to take Derrick Henry. I mean, the guy that's rushed for 2,000 yards two out of the last three yard, years, you know, there's another weapon to worry about in Julio on the outside. I'll go with Derrick Henry. They're still going to ride him big time, and he's still one of the best players in football. Yeah, I think uh, that makes a ton of sense. I know a lot of people think he's going to get 2,000 yards again this year. That would be historic. No one's ever done it in back-to-back years. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Just wanted to kind of take a second and um, clarify an answer to a question I gave the other day relative to vaccinations. Um, No player has... Uh, been released or kept because of their vaccination status. That's not part of the um, part of the equation. Um, <clears throat> my comment uh, relative to vaccinations are, you know, really the way I feel is that that's an individual decision um, for each person to make um, as a team. Um, we're better off if everybody is vaccinated. Um, and that being said, even if everybody was vaccinated, that doesn't solve all of our problems. Uh, as we've seen multiple players and head coaches and assistant coaches throughout the league test positive for COVID, even after they have been vaccinated. That was Bill Belichick yesterday with reporters as an introductory comment to his press conference before he took a single question that comment that he made yesterday I think flowed from something we saw on Friday and most of us weren't paying attention but Alan Sills the chief medical officer appearing with Judah Batista of NFL media pushed back hard on Belichick's claim that a very high number of vaccinated players have tested positive league's not happy about that I think somebody squeezed him a little bit twisted his arm a little bit to get him to come out and say what he said and as to players being cut because of vaccination status. Look, this is a nuance that we're going to hear from time to time. It's not about vaccination. It's about availability. And we need to know that you're available. We don't care that you didn't get vaccinated, but we need to know you're available. And if you're not vaccinated, you're less likely to be available, Chris. Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, yeah, there's risk either way. I mean, we know that. Yeah, just because you're vaccinated does not mean it's foolproof, but there's less of a chance that you'll be unavailable. I think that's what we're getting to bottom line here. And, you know, I think Belichick was trying to make that point that, you know, nothing's foolproof here. So he wasn't totally going to make any decision about the vaccination process just because of that. Because, yeah, we are seeing some players that are they're vaccinated test positive, but it's less likely than the other way around. And, of course, it's easier to clear protocols uh, when you're vaccinated as well. But as we saw and this is at the beginning of the show with Zach Martin and the Cowboys, if you have key players who aren't available, vaccinated or not, it's going to be an issue. The best teams this year, the ones that work this to their advantage, are going to be the ones who are buttoned up. And if you have a bunch of guys who are committed to living this year like they did last year, straight from work to home, stay home, don't go out, even if you're vaccinated, don't put yourself in tough positions, even if you're vaccinated – those are going to be the teams that have fewer issues, and they're going to be the teams Chris most likely to win. I know, and that's where it's like Tampa's got a great roster and seems like they're winning the war on COVID better than anybody else, too. All right, that's it for today. Enjoy your day. See you tomorrow. See ya.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.